This is Charlotte Talks. I'm Mike Collins. Charlotte FC began playing in 2022 as Major League Soccer's 28th franchise. As could be said about any fledgling franchise, the road from their first game to today hasn't always been smooth. After all, they've been through three coaches in three years. But they've also set attendance records, and it cannot be denied they have captured the imagination of fans that love this game and the experience. Last Saturday, Charlotte FC hit another benchmark. They won, for the first time ever, their season opener, and they did it with a new mix of players and a new coach. Team captain Ashley Westwood had this to say about the meaning of this win. It's, it was massive. Obviously, the last two years have been disappointing the start of the season, but that was the big thing tonight, to come and give the fans a, a win, what they deserve. And we, we, show, we showed a real fight tonight. I think they, they didn't have many opportunities at all. They just had one, one big opportunity in the second half, which... I thought he should have scored, but it wasn't to be. And that was the, I think Cali didn't, Cali didn't have to make a save. So he, he said it in there, how, how happy he was. He, he, he was freezing all night. So that's, that's, what, we, that's what we want to do. We want to, they're the, they're the standards we've set now. We've got, to, we've got to keep them standards. We'll talk more about those standards in a bit. So what does the rest of the season hold? What has the arrival of Major League Soccer meant for the city? Can Charlatans really understand a coach with a Cockney accent? No, I'm just kidding about that last question, oh, but, but I might ask it anyway. Who knows? Uh, joining us to talk about all this is Eric Spanberg. He's a soccer fan and managing editor of the Charlotte Business Journal, who usually hosts our soccer shows, but he wants to put me to the test today. Hello, Eric. Good morning, Mike. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Ashley Happy Match is Day. <laughs> yes, Ashley Mahoney is also a soccer fan and a reporter for Axios Charlotte. Welcome back. Thanks for having me, Mike. And Arturo Uskategi, Uskategi, excuse me, Arturo, Arturo Uskategi completes our trifecta of MLS fans. He's also a reporter for Progreso Hispano. Welcome to the program, Arturo. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. You're welcome. Uh, you were all at uh, Charlotte FC's third season opener last Saturday, as I understand it. They won, as I said, for the first time ever they've won their home opener. What was the atmosphere before, during, and after that match? And I'll start with you, Arturo. I think it was previous to, to, to the match, it was electric. You know, the tailgate happening starting at 2 p.m. Sometimes it starts even earlier than that. Um, it was just electric. A lot of people were hyped because this is our third season. Last year, we were able to get into the playing uh, ahead of the playoffs. Uh, and I think there is a lot of expectation with a new coach, with new faces on the roster. Um, so a lot of people were excited. During the match, um, over 62,000 people at the bank, um, you know, it, it, was a, it was a great atmosphere. Um, the the goal came at the eighth minute, so right after the start of the match. So that got everybody going and excited. Uh, and afterwards, you know, home opener, the first one in three years that we win. So, you know, couldn't ask for more. Ashley, I want to get your, your take on this too, but it seems to me that one of the things that Arturo mentioned initially was the tailgating and the whole experience that this, uh, this uh, sport brings to town. Absolutely. It's certainly an, an experience. It's an event. And that's something that Charlotte FC President Joe Abu has shared, you know, during our numerous conversations that's, that this can't just be a soccer game, a football match, however you care to phrase it. This needs to be an event. And thus far, over the last three years, this has been the event, whether it was almost 75,000 people there in 2022, almost 70,000 people there in 2023, or 
even just the same electric, even a more electric feeling than last year and at least my humble estimation. But there is a sense of whatever you are doing toward the end of February, beginning of March, this is on your calendar and you will be there. Tickets are 15 bucks. It's cold, but you're able to go spend time with your friends, have a beer, maybe five. It depends on what you want to do. But this has the city's attention. And now it doesn't just have the city's attention. It has all of Major League Soccer's attention. It has the attention of the sporting world as a whole. It, to me, it seems like a festival atmosphere, uh, Eric. Uh, when you compare it to going to a Hornets game or you compare it to going to a Panthers game, uh, and, and maybe that's because everybody knows in North Carolina about basketball. They know the ins and outs, the ups and downs, the X's and O's. Same thing is true for NFL football. Is Part of the reason that this is a festival atmosphere is that a lot of people enjoy the, the experience, but they don't know what the heck's going on. <laughs> well, I, I think there's something to what you're saying and also Arturo and Ashley. What's interesting is anyone who's been to one of these matches, you immediately notice it's so much more diverse culturally. Mm -hmm. uh, you notice that uh, it's a younger crowd in a lot of ways. Uh, you notice, as you say, that festival atmosphere, soccer fans never stop cheering and chanting. And one of the things that stood out to me the other night with the opener is Remember that for all the ups and downs and switching coaches and, and things that have not gone well, uh, they finished in October with 66,000 fans at Bank of America Stadium with Lionel Messi playing in Charlotte for the first time. They come back here in February. It's a chilly night. Lionel Messi's not there, so you take out the casual fan factor, and they still had almost 63,000 people. That, I think, is a testament to how popular and how fresh all of this feels with Charlotte FC as part of the sports scene. I think, Arturo, it's accurate to say that soccer is the most popular sport in the world. It certainly has, it's, it's everywhere around the world. It's just recently arrived here in the United States, comparatively speaking. How would you, how would you characterize the experience of watching a game here as opposed to elsewhere in the world? I think if you experience it somewhere else in the world, you will see a lot more passion for it. But uh, I think it's fair to say that that passion is growing here in the States as well. I think historically when, uh, you know, historic figures as Pele and Franz Beckenbauer came here in the 70s to play with the Cosmos, uh, that kind of like um, planted the seed that we saw many years later in the 90s when the World Cup was hosted in the U.S. In, back in 94. And then that um you know, ignited that spark that then became MLS. And after, you know, 29 years, because this is MLS's 29th season, we can see a lot of passion from the fans. And to Eric's point, the diversity of fans, especially in Charlotte, makes it even more exciting uh, ahead of the future, I think. Um, and there's a saying that, to me, it is one right now, Charlotte is... A soccer and in the united states in 2024 there will be a lot of soccer actually right now the women's gold cup is being played uh, on the west coast so you can see a lot of fans just showing up for women's soccer but let alone you know men's soccer a lot of people are showing up for that as well um and one of the things to uh, you know take from this opener uh, opening weekend is the fact that charlotte was the one that got the most fans in the stands 62 over 62,000 fans the second was atlanta with only 30,000 
So we double uh, what Atlanta got into their stance as well. So um, there's a lot of passion here. Um, you can you can definitely see that passion and that interest for soccer growing uh, in in the city. Definitely, yeah. Ashley, put that into perspective, because as both Arturo and Eric have said, the attendance records here are amazing. Their very first game, I think we had 74,000 fans in the stands, which uh, set a uh, MLS attendance record, and we had the second highest average attendance last year, 2023. This is a town that likes sports. There's no question about it. When the Hornets were young, like this team was young, People went and they filled the old Coliseum knowing that there was no chance in you-know-where for, for the team to win. But they came anywhere. What, how do you explain this, uh, this overwhelming support for this young team? Absolutely. And when you talk about you know, that older itineration of the Hornets, that was the first time that Charlotte had a taste of a major league franchise. Now, there are three of them here. Mm -hmm. Panthers, Hornets, Charlotte FC. And it still has that shine. It's still the brand new toy that the city gets to play with. There's still so much hope. There's been a lot of that hope that's been tested when you constantly go, okay, let's fire the manager. Let's fire the manager. All right, now we've got guy number three, maybe third time's the charm. But there, there's a lot of hope. And that's all the city wants. You could feel it on Saturday night at you know a 42 degree match in late February. The wind is howling. It is cold out there and people are there. They're on their feet for 90 minutes. They have so much energy and they were rewarded with a win. So again, third time was the charm. If you stuck it out, you were rewarded. But you know, how, how much patience do you have to stick it out if and when things go south? In terms of scoring, soccer is a pretty low scoring game under normal circumstances. When you compare it uh, to uh, NBA or even the NFL, uh, and, and 1-0 seems to be a magic number for this team because they lost their openers the first two years by 1-0, and they won this year their first opening win ever, 1-0, against New York City FC. What can you tell us, Ashley, about that team, New York, should they have lost? I mean, if you look at the performance that Charlotte had, absolutely, that, that match belonged to Charlotte, no question. And I think the biggest thing there is you see the, the funny comparison is that NYCFC was actually, it's part of City Football Group. So City Football Group also owns a number of clubs throughout the world, including reigning powerhouse right now, Manchester City. If you're a Manchester United supporter like myself, you know, that's just heartbreaking, but you <laughs> you deal with it. Um, but to that end, you know, they expanded here. They brought in star power with someone like Frank Lampard, you know, a legend in English football or English soccer, if you will. And you've seen them grow. They won, you know, their first MLS Cup not too long ago. So this is a team that has, you know, silverware in its cabinet or trophies, if you will. And from there, you know, Tom Glick was part of of making that club a reality. Tom Glick was also part of laying the foundation here for Charlotte FC. So you see slight similarities. Obviously, he's no longer affiliated with either. He's gone on to other things now, but right. there are still similar roots for both as expansion sides in this league. Last year, Charlotte FC's uh, record was 10 wins, 11 losses, and 13 ties. And Coach Smith called Saturday's match a good start. He talked about being told the team had never won its opener and said, quote, that's put to bed. We can stop mm -hmm. talking about that. <laughs> and team captain Ashley Westwood says Saturday's win was what the team knew they had to do. The one tonight was, was a big one. We knew after last year we needed to... Uh, 
we need to be better at home. We had, a, we had too many ties, not enough wins, so we started the ball rolling and long may that continue. So it's always nice to win the season opener of any sport. Uh, Arturo, does it set the tone, do you think, for the rest of the season, or am I making too much of this win? I think it does, and I think the fact that uh, Dean Smith is the new head coach uh, coming from you know, Premier League experience, you see that he's very, very direct with his players, with the media, you know, saying, hey, we, we can put that to, to rest because we already won the home opener. So let's not talk about that anymore. Um, he, he had to make some tough decisions during the, the offseason and the preseason to cut some players. So I, I think the arrival of Smith to Charlotte FC sets a tone for what's going to happen this season. Um, if you take a look at the preseason for the team, um, the first two matches, LAFC uh, and then sports, uh, Sporting Kansas City, we were leading those games, and then we lost that lead, ended up with a tie. That's something that happened a lot during last season. Um, and I think those two first, those first two matches gave Smith an idea of what was going on. And he said, okay, I know now what I need to work on. And then after that, um, you, you see the preseason matches, Charlotte uh, was scoring lots of goals. They were not allowing any goals. And I think that set a tone for the start of the season, especially for this home opener. And I think it's a really good sign uh, ahead of the 2024 season for MLS. Arturo Uscategui is a journalist with Progreso Hispano. Eric Spanberg is with us from the Business Journal and Ashley Mahoney from Axio Charlotte. When we come back, we'll talk about Dean Smith, the new Dean Smith. We'll see if it's new and improved uh, as the season goes on, I suppose. It's Charlotte Talks on WFAE. Support comes from WFAE members and Mazda of South Charlotte. Using Mazda's customer-centric approach to cars to create a car buying and servicing experience where the customer is the center of their business. More at MazdaofSouthCharlotte.com. It's Charlotte Talks on Listener Funded 90.7 WFAE and WFAE.org. On my columns, we're talking about soccer, specifically about Charlotte FC. They won their first match of the season last Saturday night. Eric Spanberg is here to talk about it because he knows everything there is to know about the business of soccer and what's going on on the field, too. He's the managing editor of the Charlotte Business Journal. Arturo Uscategui is a journalist with Progreso Hispano, and Ashley Mahoney is a reporter for Axios Charlotte. Eric, they're playing three games on the the road before they come back to town on March 23rd. That's a long time from now. <laughs> what impact, because being in front of a home crowd is always boosting for morale. What, mm-hmm. what kind of a, a impact might those road games have on whatever momentum they had uh, built up coming out of the season opening win? Hey, you're right, Mike. I mean, in, in just about every sport, going on the road is the most difficult circumstance because you don't have that home crowd behind you. Uh, and particularly when you have new pieces in a puzzle, as uh, we do with this team, we've had a lot of change. Carol Svidersky, who was the leading scorer the first two years, is no longer with uh, Charlotte FC. So, yes, and it would be challenging anyway. And by the way, Mike, when they come back on March 23rd, they're playing the defending MLS Cup winners, uh, Columbus Crew. So that's no uh, sort of day at the beach either. Um, but I think on the flip side for fans, we're going to learn very quickly what this team is made of because that's a big challenge to start off the season. It's a long season, 34 matches. Uh, They go into the fall, but uh, this next month is going to tell us a lot about Charlotte FC. I'm curious curious about the business of all this because bringing an NFL uh, franchise uh, to town or buying one is really expensive. Uh, 
for owners. Uh, bringing a, an MLS franchise is probably not quite as expensive, but then the money uh, that, they, that these two sports bring in, either from ticket revenues or uh, the, the, what do you call it, selling soft drinks and beer. Concessions, uh, yes. French concessions. And, and the television revenues that come with the NFL are, are different. Are the margins better in soccer? I mean, maybe you're not spending as much and you're not making as much, but maybe the margins are better, are they? Well, soccer, it's interesting. For the NFL, for example, uh, not only is the money bigger, but uh, it, it's near impossible to lose money as an individual team other than the COVID season. Uh, whereas in MLS, although it's growing and the values of the teams are going up, only 10 of the 29 clubs generated a profit. By the way, Charlotte FC was one of those with a $6 million mm. profit. Uh, so it's, it's, it's just different. Uh, I would say that, you know, as you look at it, the players make less because there's less revenue and all those kinds of things, but it's not nearly as well established for obvious reasons, but the growth is healthy. And final point on this, Mike, I think part of the reason the values are going up, uh, maybe a little bit more than the, the revenue might uh, justify is because when you look around, it's so much harder to buy an NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL. If you want to get into one of these exclusive clubs, this is the country club that you can get into the fastest. Hmm. Uh, Arturo Charlotte FC, because it's a Tepper team, uh, has gone through a couple of coaches. Uh, at three in three years, Tepper does not appear to have a lot of patience. Did it surprise you when he fired uh, the last coach? And did it surprise you at all uh, about his choice for Dean Smith to be the new one? Um, it, it did come as a surprise. Uh, I think, it, personally speaking, I was not expecting the announcement to be all of, you know, so sudden. Um, it is true and fair to say that Lacancia's last season was not the best, was not the greatest. We gave out a lot of points, especially at home, like Ashley Westwood said it. Um, and a lot of people expected Latancio to, to leave, but the announcement came out of nowhere. Um, so it was somewhat of a shock, but at the same time, bringing somebody like Dean Smith, who has a lot of Premier League experience, and not only experience, he has experience taking a team from the championship, which is like the second tier of Premier League, all the way up to Premier League. And he is known for having had players who are superstars right now, like Jack Grealish, who went from Aston Villa all the way to Man, Man City. Uh, and he is one of, you know, Pep Guardiola's wonder kids right now. So, um, bringing somebody like Dean and having that experience, having that experience with players, having that experience with the media, I think it was a really good choice for Charlotte FC. Ashley, how, how, how is his coaching style different from his predecessor? Uh, and, 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 and what is his philosophy of leadership? You see a very different style with each of the three head coaches Charlotte has had thus far. You had Miguel Angel Ramirez, first time coaching in the United States, no MLS experience, very little head coaching experience for that matter, and he couldn't connect with the players. He turned out to be, for lack of a better term, a dud for Charlotte FC. You know, they fired him less than a year on the job. Then you bring in Christian Latanzio, who has, you know, tremendous experience throughout the sport, and then he isn't able to pan out, has a better relationship with the players, but you you can't concede goals at the rate that they were, cost them points. Therefore, you know, they decided to part ways with him. Then you bring in Dean Smith, and Dean is very 
much so emphasizing that these players will not concede goals late. They're not going to put themselves in a position where they, for to use the time-honored cliche, shoot themselves in the foot. Mm. So his, his style seems to be more energetic. Latanzio seemed very, very patient. Um, Ramirez seemed a little outspoken at times and didn't know how to communicate at other times. So Smith seems to be a good balance. It's early. It's still the honeymoon phase. That honeymoon phase extends, you know, when you win and winning cures all for <laughs> any sport. Um, we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah. Coach Smith uh, has promised the team will attack more, have a free-flowing style, but a solid defense. That's the plan. So how will they achieve it, Eric, and how likely are they to do that? <laughs> Well, you know, the jury is out on how likely they are to do it. As we've all said, this was a really good start. It's going to be interesting. They have uh, in soccer, the DPs, designated player slots. They have two of those open. That means uh, key contributors, bigger contracts. You've got to get those right. So that's something that will be answered later this year when they make those, fill those two spots. So I think that's a big question. Uh, there's some interesting things going on, Mike, uh, with, uh, Charlotte FC, like all teams, has an academy where they bring up younger players. On Saturday, they, they put in the 16-year-old young man, Nymphasha Berkimas. I hope I'm saying that right because I always struggle with it. Um, so, you know, you're starting to see some homegrown players. And, and I think that the thing about Dean Smith that strikes me, everything Ashley said, absolutely agree with. Uh, but also, you know, part of this job is being a salesman for the team, dealing with the media, and he's got a really nice touch with reporters and the public side. That's not obviously what he does on, on, on the pitch, on the field is what matters. But I think when you take all those things and put them together, the experience, the way he looks at a team, this has some real potential. Go ahead, Ashley. To that end, you have to be an ambassador as much as you're there to win matches. You, you have to be an ambassador, especially when you're brand new. You have to take over what is going on um, overall for this club. What does your relationship look like with the community? And Charlotte FC's first president, Nick Kelly, you know, when we first spoke with him, his thing is, I want you to know me, to see me, to see me out in the community. And, and you did. And you've seen that a lot with Joe Labou as well. So for everything that... The Tepper umbrella may or may not have gotten right or gotten wrong. You've seen this half of the building really put themselves out there, really ingrain themselves in you know the time since they were announced in, in 2019 at the Mint Museum in Uptown on that really rainy December day. They've taken the time to build those relationships, to build those inroads, to build things with members of the community like Dustin Swinehart. He was one of their first hires. He played for the Charlotte Eagles, you know, a, a minor league team that's been here forever and has a great relationship with community. Soccer's been here. Charlotte's been a soccer city for a long time. It just has a national spotlight now. Arturo, with this new coach, Dean Smith, and his new style and, and, and his unleashing of these players, I, I guess is a, a term that could be used. Uh, for people who don't know a lot about the game, <clears throat> but who went last year and are now going to come back this year, what are they going to see that's different? What, 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 would you, what should we be looking for that looks different on the field? I think that under Smith, you're going to see a more direct style of play. I think you're going to see uh, defenders, you know, making a, a run for um, – for offense, I think you're going to see a lot of direct passes between the midfielders and the and the forwards. I think you're going to see a lot of uh, runs uh, on the sides of the field. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot of goals. I, I really do, even though our, our home opener, uh, the final score was 1-0 or 1-0, I think 
this Charlotte team seems to be more into attacking than before without letting defenders, you know, by themselves and, and alone at some point in, in the game. So I expect a lot of goals from this team. I think uh, players like Enzo Copetti and Kerwin Vargas and even Yuri Tavares, who made his debut this last Saturday, um, those are the type of guys that are going to bring a lot of uh, happiness to all of the Charlotte FC fans. What do we know, Arturo, about uh, how the players are reacting to this new coach and this new style of play? I think they, they're reacting well. They understood uh, right off the bat what his style of play was. Um, and I think that the, the fact that players have been talking among themselves us of to, hey, this is the, the way I play, um, we can see that in, you know, Brett Dejagir, number 10 for Charlotte FC, and Enzo Copetti, number 9, they have been talking a lot during the offseason, during the preseason, so they could understand each other a little bit more, so they could create more opportunities and chances for Charlotte FC. So I think, like you said it, I mean, Dean Smith is unleashing his players, unleashing their full potential, so they could be themselves uh, on the field. And, and let, let's not forget that Enzo Copetti, even though he had... I would say, from from a soccer standpoint, a mediocre season last last year, he came to Charlotte being the top goal scorer for Racing in the Argentinian league, which is a really tough league in South America. And if you're successful in Argentina, you could be successful everywhere. So I think we're going to see a lot more goals this season for Charlotte FC, and we're going to have some fun. So, Ashley, uh, Dean Smith, the new coach, is obviously from England, He has, but he has some long-time ties uh, to this area. Interestingly enough, his son uh, pursued his own soccer dreams by playing both for Limestone College and for NC State. And, and of course, there's that Dean Smith name that is synonymous with the Carolinas. Uh, but despite this, this, these connections and the fact that I think, I think they own a home and have owned a home in Myrtle Beach for a while, uh, the move across the pond seems to be a big one for for people. I mean, he, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, he left his previous coaching job because he didn't think he was a good fit. They didn't fire him. He just said, I'm not a good fit for this. I'm out. Uh, what sealed the deal for crossing the pond and joining this team? Well, I think that when you have family over here, his son, you know, plays in USL League One, that's third division or minor league soccer, you know, not too far away from Charlotte. When you have an opportunity to be, to be closer to family, that can certainly weigh on you. I mean, Dean Smith is, is 52. His family's got ties here already. Why not, you know, bring the family closer together? And it's an opportunity to coach in a market that, um, no offense to England, but, you know, we've got slightly better weather over here, just just a little bit. You have the access <laughs> to an airport that's, you know, he and his family are going to be calling, um, you know, South Charlotte home. So you have an airport that is 15 minutes away. It's an international airport. Hop on a flight straight over to Heathrow or to wherever in, in England your heart desires, and you you can get there very easily. It's maybe, what, six, seven-hour flight? It takes you less time than that to, to get from here up into New York. And that's something that Christian Fuchs, um, the captain from the first season, you know, that he did as well while his family, you know, he had to go that back and forth, back and forth. And then he said, you know, I came over here because it made it easier to get from Charlotte up to New York to see my family and be with my family. So when you have an opportunity to do that, take it.
And I came to you uh, with a question to kind of flesh out who Dean Smith was, because in Axios, you wrote uh, seven things to know about Dean Smith. Axios share style, the, absolutely. Share a, few, <laughs> share a few of them. Well, I hope we all have a chance to meet Charlie at some point. And Charlie is Dean Smith's 14-year-old um, dog who he credits with being the one to help him, you know, uh, sort out a number of lineups on match day. And as we all know, Charlotte's Greenways are expanding very rapidly. The county is investing a ton of money into that. And, you know, I told him, I was like, all right, well, we have a Greenway guide. So here are places for you and Charlie to go figure out who is starting for you uh, for an upcoming match. And there there are plenty of opportunities for him to to sink his teeth into Charlotte, whether it's, you know, taking a bite, literally, um, mm -hmm. forgive the pun, out of Charlotte's food scene, um, maybe checking out what's in South Park or what's up at Camp North End. Um, but he's also someone who is in search of quote unquote, holy grail moments. He had that. He's from Birmingham. His dad was a steward, um, someone who helped you know, get people to their seats in the stands at the stadium. And you know he grew up going to those matches. That's the same club that he was, Aston Villa rather in Birmingham was the club he managed um, from championship to promotion in the Premier League. So he's, he's able to manage your hometown club. So it's kind of hard to, to beat that, but hopefully, you know, maybe he'll get some some silverware here and that'll help. But where do you go for good fish and chips in Charlotte? That's what I oh want. Oh my God. Uh, Dean Oof. Smith has, has promised fans that the <laughs> team, will, even before the first game, Eric, he promised fans that the team will be hard to beat this season. And he also made a promise to the defenders for every clean sheet, meaning no score. It feels great. I mean, I've got my, I've got 18 of my family here as well. So, uh, you know, I, I had to win, <laughs> you know, otherwise uh, I, I would have been in trouble. Um, but I said to the defenders before uh, pre-season started, you know, every clean sheet, I'll buy them a nice bottle of wine. So, you know, they, uh, they, they reminded me of that straight away after the game. I wonder what the, the bottle of wine was. Yes. What, what, what about his promise that his team will be hard to beat this year? Is that just what coaches say or is there something behind that? Well, it is what coaches say, but, uh, you know, the, the feeling seems to be uh, most importantly with the players that they're buying in, that they, they like his system. Uh, they like his manner of dealing with them. And I think sometimes uh, fans and people as sort of outside the bubble of a team hear those things and go, yeah, whatever. These guys make a lot of money. What's it matter? But look, they're just people and people have to get along. They have to be able to work together. They have to believe in what they're doing. And those may all sound like corny cliches, but they are corny cliches because they're true. And so I think he's off to a really good start because, as Arturo was saying, you could see that progress during the preseason, and that was such an Achilles heel last year. There was no team worse in late-game situations than Charlotte FC last year, so we're already seeing some signs that uh, this fellow may know what he's doing. Arturo wants to chime in on this. Go ahead. Yeah, definitely, because we have to remember that the defensive line uh, for Charlotte FC this season is the same one we had last season. So it is interesting to see the the work that Dean Smith is doing with these players, such as Adilson Malanda, who scored the um, game-winning goal last Saturday, and Jerry Ronan, who's coming from Finland. Uh, also, Andrew Privet, who was a great discovery last year during Leagues Cup, and then Nathan Byrne, who's also from the UK. So we had that same defensive back line last year, which allowed a lot of goals, especially at home. But now... Uh, I think that they looked really solid this last Saturday. 
So it's inter interesting to see the work that Dean has done with them and all the talks and conversations ahead of this season. Uh, Ashley, I know you want to get on this. I have 10 seconds if you want, if you can do it in 10 seconds. 10 seconds to Arturo's point. There are only two new faces in the starting lineup for Charlotte FC on Saturday. Hopefully that's 10 seconds. That, that, that's good. Uh, Ashley Mahoney with Axios Charlotte, Eric Spanberg with the Business Journal, and Arturo Uscateki uh, with the Progreso Hispano. We're coming right back at Charlotte Talks on WFAE. Support comes from WFAE members and Mazda of South Charlotte, incorporating Mazda's customer-centric vehicle design by making the customer the center of business to create a better car buying experience. More at MazdaofSouthCharlotte.com. It's Charlotte Talks on WFAE and WFHE. I'm Mike Collins. We're talking soccer as Charlotte FC uh, launches its third season with a 1-0 win. Uh, at the press conference uh, following the season opening victory last Saturday, Coach Smith was asked about what could have gone better. Probably could have had a better end product at times, but, you know, and I've just said it now, I was disappointed for, for Kerwin. You know, he's missed a penalty and he's missed a couple of chances as well. But... You know, uh, we all miss them because he's part of a team. But, you know, bad players don't get chances. Good players get chances, and sometimes they miss them. Arturo, was he able to uh, be that forgiving because they actually played pretty well or because they won? <laughs> I think a little bit of both. Um, Kerwin Vargas is one of the best players that, uh, on the Charlotte squad, and he was really excited about this home opener. Uh, he was the one that ended last last season or regular season with a goal against Inter, Lionel Messi's Inter Miami. Um, so, and and when that penalty was uh, awarded to Charlotte FC, him and Enzo Copetti, who was supposed to take that penalty shot, had a, a conversation in the game, and Enzo decided to let Kerwin take it. Kerwin was having a really good game um, up to that point. I think missing that penalty just messed up with his head a little bit because he then had a couple of other chances that he missed as well. But it was interesting to see or to hear the conversation him and Dean Smith had after he was subbed out. Uh, he just said to him, hey, you know what? We all made mistakes. Just think about the next one. So, yeah, he was forgiven. Uh, we won. So I think that, that that was what it was. We've been we've been talking a lot about hope uh, brought on by a new coach and an and opening game win. We've been talking we've been basking in the glow of that win, not to throw cold water on things, but I'm really good at doing that. Uh, let me do that for a moment. Uh, the Observer uh, reports that analysts are predicting MLS Cup winner Columbus will repeat this season as East champion with Seattle winning in the West. And those analysts predict that Charlotte FC will end up around 13th this season. One of the analysts put us at 27 out of 29 teams. Arturo, what's your take on that? I think that we are not going to finish uh, below 11th or 12th place. And that is my take. Um, and I don't know if I'm being too risky with it. But uh, I do have full confidence in Dean Smith. I think that he has shown over preseason and on this first uh, game um, that he can manage this team and he can manage it well. Uh, to Eric's point, it's a long season, 34 matches. We're, you know, one down, 33 to go. <laughs> We're going to take three, the next three games on the road, uh, and that's going to be a test. Uh, I don't think it's going to uh, lead us for the rest of the season, but it's going to be a test to Dean and to the players, uh, especially 
uh, given the fact that we are expecting a couple of DP signings, uh, maybe one before the window closes in April, and then probably another one during the uh, summer window. But um, I do believe that in the East, I, myself, I am putting Charlotte FC to be between the fifth and the seventh place. Uh, the obser- uh, Excuse me. Uh, this year, Ashley, I'm told that uh, uh, we, we lost some of the flashier European players from last season, and, and a number of team staples are, are in- injured. What do you think that means for our long-term prospects? Well, the hard part about this is Charlotte loves to have, you know, snake bit teams, whether it's, you know, the Hornets or the, uh, there was a season, I believe it was 2022, actually, where it seemed like everyone had an ankle sprain. So just take care of your ankles out there. But nevertheless, you did have the departure of Karol Swiderski and Kamil Jozwiak, the two Polish uh, players who were actually the top two highest paid players for Charlotte Mm -hmm. FC. So that frees up a lot of, you know, space, not only as DPs, but also in terms of, you know, what you're able to do with your resources. Um, Charlotte, I mean, Camille never really panned out. He was, um, for lack of better words, and this is my personal analysis, a dud. He, He did not pan out for the amount of money that he was being paid. He just, he didn't get it done for Charlotte. Um, you also had the departure of Guzman Crujo, who was injured, you know, was recovering from an ACL tear last season. He was also in the top 10 highest paid players. He was also one of the earliest signings. You know, he has since departed the club, Justin Merrim. He was, I believe, the 10th highest paid player for the club, you know, just under 500000 in guaranteed compensation. But he came in last season and was a, a steadying force for the club. But he has also since departed. So you have several departures. You have Brant Bronico, who is a North Carolina kid. He played for the Charlotte 49ers just up the road. You know, he went the the college to MLS Super Draft, then into the pros. He went that route, spent some time, you know, in the in the minors on loan. But he is recovering as well. You have a, a number of other guys, Ben Bender, who was the club's first overall pick um, for ahead of their inaugural season. So you have guys who are working their way back in. But as much as you want to have a fully healthy squad for as long as possible, if you look at what the club produced on Saturday night, they seem okay without those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was also told that one player stands out, apparently, uh, Enzo Copetti, uh, if that's accurate, Arturo, talk about him. Well, Enzo, he's he's a he's a really cool guy, and and I think he's a really nice uh, player because, like I said before, he comes from the Argentinian league. Uh, he was uh, their their top goal scorer two years ago. He came to Charlotte last year, and he had a, a tough time adapting to the league and to the style of play. Obviously, last year. Uh, with Karol Swiderski being the kind of like the main guy for the squad, uh, it was hard for him to adapt to that because in a conversation we had last year, he said, I'm used to teams playing for me and that's how I get my goal score. Um, So Mm -hmm. the fact that last year Charlotte was not playing for him, that was hard for him. And the adaptation to the league, to the referees, he was always fighting and, you know, mm-hmm. having strong words with the referees and, you know, different conversations. Uh, and he was very outspoken. So I think that, you know, that didn't sit well with maybe a couple of players in the team. Uh, but he understood late last season what the league was about. He understood what he needed to do to get better 
on this league. And I think he's been doing that. He's been adapting well to the city, to the players, to the coaches, to the staff, to everybody. And I think we can, and we actually saw an Enzo Copetti more committed this past Saturday to commit it on defense and being able to play and talk more with his teams on the field. Ashley, I want to come back to somebody that I think Eric mentioned. Uh, Charlotte FC has what is essentially a farm team, Crown Legacy FC, which is always looking for and cultivating new talent. They also have this Charlotte FC Academy, which works with young people who are interested in soccer. And on Saturday, Coach Smith put one of those Academy players in the game, 16-year-old Nimfasha Berkimas. He, he made history because he was the first uh, academy player to make an MLS appearance, and he was the ninth youngest player in MLS history to make his debut. How did this happen? What, what makes him so special, and is he likely to play again? I mean, he's 16 years old. Doesn't he have to go to school? <laughs> Well, one small note about Enzo Capetti before we pivot to Nimfasha. Capetti's got to stay on his feet. He is um, the, the biggest thing, I think, with the sport that it gets ragged on is players, quote unquote, flopping. If you are listening to us on the radio, you can't see my little air quotes happening right now. But Capetti looked for calls um, for penalties fouls, if you will, um, more often than not last season. So if he can stay on his feet, which we saw him do a lot more of on Saturday and actually be part of, you know, creating things rather than just hoping for calls, you'll see a lot more opportunities for him. But transitioning rather to Nymphasha. Nymphasha, you know, came through the club's academy. So you have this three-pronged entity, if you will. So the academy is these younger guys. This was started, you know, during the heart of the pandemic under Dan Locke, who is no longer with the club. He's actually with Columbus Crew now. And they were able to establish, you know, get these guys in at a very young age. They still are taking care of school then if they um, are able they're transitioned into crown legacy which is the minor league the division three um, affiliate for charlotte fc they had their inaugural season last year they play out at the sportsplex at matthews and then you saw a number of guys who were signed from crown legacy to the first team this year. So your goal is essentially to get into this feeder system at a young age and then work your way up. You still have the option to go through, you know, what Brant Bronico did and you go through the more traditional American pathway where you go, you know, high school, you play club ball. That would be for a Charlotte soccer academy or something like that. And then you go play in college. And then from college, you enter the MLS super draft and then you're drafted. And then you hopefully have an opportunity with an MLS side. Those are the two different parallels. Now, something that Dean Smith said when he was asked about possibly playing in fashions, Wayne Rooney, who is a legend in the game, played for Manchester United, played for Everton in England for a number of years, but also managed here um, with DC United, also played for DC United over here. You have guys like that who, in Europe, making your debut at 16 is not out of the ordinary. For some of them, it's the norm. So how will that transition here? Will Nymphasha's story become the norm here? Okay. Uh, following Saturday's win, Charlotte FC put out a statement, Eric, saying that the team had delivered a statement with their win uh, on Dean Smith's debut. It, it, that follows another statement that the team made prior to the first game of the season in which they expressed the 
their desire to make the team's games must-see events. It's like NBC's must-see TV <laughs> 100 years ago. Uh, did they make a statement with this first win, and what will they have to do to become a must-see or the must-see event in Charlotte? Well, a lot of the things that we've talked about today, style of play, uh, one of the things that Ashley just mentioned, keeping Enzo Capetti on his feet, uh, you know, the excitement that the team creates, that is the first step. Uh, but as we know, professional sports and college sports, for that matter, long ago moved into entertainment because you want those casual fans. You want to keep people engaged. And talking to Joe Laboo, the president of Charlotte FC, one of the things that they emphasize in soccer, of course, is because there are no timeouts virtually and the game moves so quickly that it's really about the pregame is the, the chance for the team to entertain. And they have this throne and they bring in a celebrity. It was Muggsy Bogues the other night. Uh, they have the TIFO, which is a you know sort of fan-made artwork. Uh, they have the supporter section where fans stand the whole time. So they have all these elements, the march into the stadium. And then the stadium and the team have the visual cues, the scoreboard, the, you know, the lights, the displays, the music to kind of keep it going. But uh, soccer has such an interesting culture because soccer fans are much more resistant to being led along as to what they will do and what will entertain them. It really is theirs. And if you watch and listen to soccer fans, it's a totally different thing. Like they own it. They don't really think of David Tepper as the owner or fill in the blank. It's theirs. Uh, but you do have to do some things. And I think that FC is taking those steps more than anything, Mike, though, if they can start to perform at home and not lose all those leads, they're going to be just fine because they've already got the fan culture established. So speaking of must-see events, uh, there, there, you recently wrote, Eric, uh, that the highest-profile matches at the stadium this year are likely to involve non-MLS competition <laughs> with two uh, Copa America matchups here in July. Copa America is the Continental Championship of South America. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, yes. What else do we need to know? So th this is uh, sort of uh, analogous to uh, a run below World Cup, I guess might be a good way to say it. Uh, you have this Continental Championship of South America, which is usually played in South America, though it was in the United States in 2016. To bring it back in 2024, uh, what they've done is they've incorporated six teams from the region that includes the United States and Mexican national teams, among others. So they're going to have 10 from South America, six from uh, an organization called CONCACAF. I won't drag you through all that, but 16 teams, games all over the country for a month, and Charlotte is going to host the semifinal and the third round match. Those, uh, particularly having the semifinal, that's a really, really big deal. These will probably be both sellout games at the 75,000-seat stadium. Wow. Uh, that's coming in, in the summer. Uh, and July. We, are about that. we have about two minutes left here. Arturo, uh, what's the biggest thing that Charlotte FC has to address and turn around this season? I think that if we still think about the two DB slots being open, I think one of them has to be uh, center back. Uh, we've heard uh, front office and even Dean Smith saying that the, they would like to bring in a left center back. Uh, so I think that would solidify their position or the defensive back line. And then they would like to bring another winger as a DP. So we're, we're still waiting on those um, 
hirings for the rest of the season. But I, I think those are the, the two key points for them. Because in the midfield, I think we're we're pretty solid and, and have really good players. But if we can bring a center back, a left center back, and, a, and, and another winger, I think we're going to be in a much better position. So last season, I think what we had, 11 wins, 13, I don't have any losses, but something like 13 ties. Uh, what is a what is a successful season look like to you, Ashley, this season? A successful season that the fans would consider successful and that David Tepper would consider mm -hmm. successful? A winning season. Tepper hasn't had that with either of his teams yet. The city hasn't had that with a major league team in a long time. Charlotte FC is still looking for their first one. They went, you know, 10, 11, and 13 last year and actually had more wins during their inaugural season, 13, but they had 18 losses and only three draws or ties. So a winning season, get into the playoffs, make a run in the playoffs, bring home some, some hardware, some silverware, put it in the trophy case, give the city something to cheer for. They've already done that. Can they do it a little bit more? Well, they didn't lose at all in the preseason, uh, as I understand it. They didn't give up any goals in their final three uh, preseason matches. Uh, they won their opening match this year, won nothing. Uh, does the preseason mean anything? I have 15 seconds. Does the preseason mean anything in soccer? Nope. Preseason doesn't okay. mean anything in any major league sport, in any sport for that matter. It's good. Okay. It's good practice. Uh, and finally, Eric, now that sports betting is legal in North Carolina, uh, uh, are there odds yet on how long Dean Smith will last? <laughs> That's a great question. I'm sure there are somewhere. I just don't know them. <laughs> but I'm sure you'll find out and report back yes. to us. Uh, I will do that. I promise. Us. <laughs> Eric Spanberg is managing editor of the Charlotte Business Journal. Ashley Mahoney is a reporter for Axios Charlotte. And Arturo Uscategui is a journalist for Progreso Hispano. I want you to all report back next week about <laughs> wine and fish and chips. Celebrating 25 years on the air, Charlotte Talks with Mike Collins is a production of 90.7 WFAE. Support for Charlotte Talks comes from Mazda of South Charlotte. Our executive producer is Wendy Herkey. The senior producers are Gabe Altieri and Sarah D'Elia. Our engineer is Joby Sprinkle. For more information about Charlotte Talks, to listen to past episodes, or subscribe to the podcast, visit wfae.org slash charlotte talks. Additional support for WFAE programming comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support comes from WFAE members and Mazda of South Charlotte, focused on applying Mazda's customer-centric approach for vehicle design to car buying and servicing in order to create an experience centered around the customer. More at Mazda of South Charlotte dot com.